Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. La pide Gabri Vega, la apertura hacia la banda, recibe el canterano y goleador. La pone Gabri, el centro. Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Rudy Barlow. You've just heard from Gabri Vega scoring for Celta. We've heard Almeria and Adrian Barba converting a penalty that keeps them in La Liga. I'm joined by Paco Polit, a relieved and exhausted Paco Polit. Um, who's just come back from covering Valencia's draw with Betis, which keeps them in the division. Paco, how are you doing, aside from the obvious tiredness? Well, obviously very tired, because uh, it was a very <laughs> exciting Sunday overall, but obviously relieved in some sense for Valencia being able to avoid the drop. But as I said earlier today in the broadcast, um, you know, remaining in La Liga is one thing, and salvation is a whole different issue. And Valencia won't be salvaged till Peterly miss out from the management. But leaving that aside, obviously, <clears throat> plenty of drama for Valladolid fans. They couldn't get the job done. Um, pretty interesting game between Elche and Cadiz. Uh, much more interesting than I really expected before. As you said, Celta with that, uh, Gabriel Vegas brace being able to beat the champions and... Uh, Overall, the most feisty game was the Espanol Almería, with plenty happening during the game and after the game, because I believe we're going to touch upon this issue later. Uh, Ruby um, more or less admitted that it's very tough for any manager to really work under the Sheikh's uh, influence over there, and, and he's you know departing Almería, which is more or less surprising. And yeah, obviously, uh, Betis and Valencia drawing. So plenty of things to, to touch upon. And, and I think it was a very exciting day overall. Yeah, we'll get to the European race in the second half of the show. We'll, we'll get to Osasuna, who are back 
in Europe after a healthy absence from, from competition. But there is no other place to start than at the Jose Soria and Valladolid, nil nil against Atafe. Valladolid, who I think if La Pucela were presented with the opportunity to play Hetafe on the final day of the season at home, knowing that a win would keep them up, knowing that Hetafe themselves were in dire straits, didn't get a single shot on target. It has to be said, Petzolano was in tears at the end. Ultimately, I, I think this has to go down as a failure, and the question that comes up to, to my mind is, obviously, Pacheta, Petzolano, did they get it right? Paco, your initial thoughts on that? Obviously, I think that they got bored last uh, in their game, <laughs> and you only have to check out, you know, overall, the, the, the tension was... Uh, tangible throughout the the whole 90 minutes and obviously the the aggregate in the extra time and the and the injury time in the first half in the, in the second one because Bordalas just did his thing you know overall you see Bayali taking 15 shots none of them on target and which is more or less I would say a bit tricky on the on the you know on the neutral uh, viewer because I remember one Gonzalo Plata attempt late in the second half, which went like this close from the from the angle, and that would have been, you know, uh, remaining for Valladolid and saving from the drop and Getafe going down. So it was a very very tight. It was, I would say, walking the the tightrope, which is one of Jose Bordalas' uh, specialty. So, you know, they went into Nuevo Jose Zorrilla with the only goal of not really allowing Valladolid to play, at least in their favoured playstyle, and they absolutely succeeded. You know, their levels of experience, uh, veteran attitude. I remember Damian Suarez in the, in the injury time in the second half, you know, he seemed to have some cramps, some pain subs on the on the on the injury time for Borralas. <laughs> Overall it was, you know, the, wh what we expected. Getafe went to Valladolid with the need of picking up one point and they got the job done. Whereas for Valladolid, you know, the heartbreak was very cruel for them because in many moments of the second half with everything which was happening over in Cornellà, uh, even the nil-nil favored both sides, you know, it was enough for them. So even we speculated with, you know, the Biscotto and both of them just calling it it's a day and, uh, you know, shaking hands, a draw, one point apiece. And, and it's enough for both of them. But unfortunately, Almeria were able to level. And uh, yep, Valladolid are a second division side. I'm sure that Valladolid fans will be devastated today whenever they listen to this. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's been a... Very weird season, very challenging for the for the players. It seemed that they had been able to course correct with uh, both Petzolano first and even before with the signings coming in in January with Sai Larin, the, the Canadian striker, which has been uh, quite you know a revolutionary addition for the for the attacking front. But it wasn't enough, you know. Under Pacheta, it wasn't enough, and ultimately under Petzolano. It hasn't been enough. So maybe in the tightest uh, rele uh, relegation battle in many, many years, unfortunately for Bayaulid, they were the ones to be sacrificed in the end. 
Yeah, it should be said. They did get relegated on 40 points, just one point behind Almeria. And yeah, most seasons that is going to be enough. Kyle Laren, as you mentioned, Salima Mala had an impact before he was injured. But we did we did say kind of at the start of the season that they were lacking a little bit of quality and, and ultimately Larian arrived just a little bit too late for them um, in this case. But very highly unfortunate to go down, it should be said. And Hitafe Bordelas... It was football champagne in its yeah. very purest expression. <laughs> 65 passes in 102 minutes of football, uh, which is really quite something at the end of the game. There were good season scenes with the Hitafe away fans. You had Iglesias and uh, Damian Suarez standing on the kind of edge of the stand, uh, kind of conducting the Hitafe fans and Bordelas getting soaked with uh, a, a mixture of things. I don't know if there was any champagne in there, but getting soaked in the dressing room by the Hitafe players after the game singing De Quiero Bordelas. Yeah. So, so job done for Bordelas again. Um, we move on to Espanol. Wait, as by the way, say. really happy free, for free. him because I think that he's, even with all of the, you know, shithousery that his teams often <laughs> perform, uh, I think that he's a great manager. I think that he's possibly one of the of the coaches in Spain which is able to really extract over 100% of the potential from any side that he's able to coach and yeah many will say that the playstyle isn't you know the the epitome of flair uh, that it's not interesting to watch that it's not fun to watch okay but for these kind of situations uh, I think Getafe just nailed it with his appointment and he's been able to I believe in the last six games or seven games, get the job done. So mad props for Jose Bordalas and his staff. Yeah, he's uh, somewhat Mourinho-esque at times, but without some of the shameful abuse of referees. Uh, Moving on to Espanyol, 3-3 against Almeria. And yeah, this was uh, a back-and-forth game in which uh, Espanyol took the lead, Almeria equalised, they were, they were back in front at one point, and it went back and forth eventually. Luca Goliosho scores in the 73rd minute and is sending Almeria down, as you were saying, until the 87th minute, and it, it was a, very much a photo finish in La Liga this season, and it was a photo of Ramazzani getting brought down in the box on the VAR, which reversed the decision. He was initially booked for a dive, I think, and then the penalty gets given. Adrian Barba steps up, scores a brace um, against his former club, of course, in the 87th minute. And, and Almeria saved themselves. And despite winning just one game all season away from home, Almeria somehow coast home on their on their home form. Yes, I think this, this game was, uh, you know, it provided plenty of drama during the evening because first up, um, Espanol, and we have to point this out, they performed a, a protest into on top of the pitch uh, during the first minute. They decided to not play the ball, to not really, uh, you know, run around. All of the players uh, stood in their place for the first minute of the game because they were, uh, you know, standing against uh, most of the ref calls during the season and everything which has happened to them. They considered themselves you know, uh, to some extent robbed in, in many ways and in, in, in crucial games, crucial calls have uh, ultimately dragged them down, which is ultimately unfortunate because for many minutes when they were beating Almeria 3-2, if, for example, last week against Valencia, uh, the referee had allowed that goal, which was later... Uh, um, 
just loud. disallowed with the Mamardas Billy foul over the keeper. If that goal had been allowed, and Espanyol would have picked up the points, uh, winning tonight would have meant salvation for them, which is uh, you know so so close, so to the last minutes and to the last game, which is unfortunate because ultimately Espanyol have been fighting tooth and nail for 99% of the season. And today, with nothing to lose, you know, you really saw that they were, uh, you know, Puado scored a, an amazing goal. Also, uh, Coleosho uh, got that 15 minutes from the end. And, uh, yeah, I think that in, in my book, they are going to be one of the top favorites next year for promotion once again. Uh, many protests, by the way, in the in the ground against um, Espanyol's ownership. And speaking about Almería, as you said, the season went awry very, very early with the departure of Umar Sadiq, who left for um, Real Sociedad after the first couple of games. Uh, Ramazzani has been too irregular. I would say he, he, he didn't have the consistency in the attacking front to become you know, that kind of striker or, which, or, or attacker which the team really needed. And yeah, they had the, their ups and downs. It's been a, a very tough season for them, especially on the road, as you said. But in this game, they, they had to get the point and they, they ultimately did it. And as, as I said earlier, I think that the most relevant highlight of the game took place in the press conference after the game when uh, Ruby stated in the in the press room that he's departing uh, Almeria because uh, he doesn't really feel that he can he's able to really work 100% of his ability with the uh, ownership that that is currently um, you know uh, bossing over in the in the club so he this he decided that he has had enough he's leaving and uh, it was Ruby's last game over in Almeria uh, picking up on picking a new manager is going to be challenging for them because it's very it requires a special kind of uh, attitude relaxed mood I would say uh, I would say mano izquierda as we say in Spanish like being able to sway around all of the turmoil which often takes place inside Almerian within the club and you know choosing and finding a manager who suits that role and fits that role isn't going to be easy for them yeah as you say it's it's important to know how to manage up in these clubs where there's kind of a strong opinionated owner and Ruby as you were saying again said he couldn't full ability of his kind of staff and everything and that they'd accomplished their target it staved off relegation they'd increased the value of their players and and job done we're going to walk away and i think that's pretty fair enough for ruby if he feels that he's not going to have fair the backing game. yeah it's yeah. uh apl- applaudable because a lot of managers would just hang on and, and stick in there but uh ultimately job done for Anne maria there was a lot of tears in the stands at the rcd stadium um, and just on that point of the referees and the complaints to put this in context 13 i counted well at least 13 sides in la liga of the 20 have put out official comunicados or statements or used official club media to complain about referees this season so at that point i feel like it's very hard for for certain clubs to say that they themselves have been mistreated that um it's an agenda against them if 
so many sides have gone out of their way to say this and yeah that includes the top three it includes the bottom three um Elche today were tweeting out against Cardiff about uh, two goals disallowed which we'll come on to very very shortly but I mean this is against the Cardiff side where they had a clearly offside goal given for them in January which Cardiff themselves protested about so so yeah it's been a bit of a mess this season in terms of refereeing but agenda wise I, I have very little time for clubs using official media to, to complain, to be perfectly honest. But moving on from referees, uh, we'll go to Elche Cadiz. Lucas Boyer equalised the Gonzalo Escalante goal in the first half from Cadiz. Ultimately, a point was enough to keep them up and Cadiz were never really in too much danger. Like Valencia, I mean, Valencia were in a little bit more jeopardy, but Cadiz were, were kind of in, in the clear and Celta ended up being in the clear as well. Gabri Vega with a brace, the first one a lovely finish, the second one probably a bit of a fluke, let's be honest. I mean, he, he crosses it and it ends up in off the post, but uh, a brilliant goal ultimately beats Marc-Andre Stegen and Iñaki Peña and Ansu Fati gets a late consolation, but two games, two teams that stay up, that are very happy, and uh, yeah, less drama on their end. Yeah, in Cadiz's case, I think that if you set aside the goal that they scored early in the first half, the rest of their game was pretty awful. You know, they, they didn't really perform properly throughout the game, and I think they were outmatched by, by Elche. Elche should have won this game easily, and uh, they had uh, a couple of disallowed goals with very, very tight and narrow offside uh, calls by the ref and VAR into action once again. And uh, I don't know, the desire and the drive that I saw from Elche was uh, far superior for, you know, the need of of securing at least a point uh, from Cadiz. I, I was not very impressed by, by Cadiz's uh, game, but ultimately they got their job done. And that was enough. Whereas for Celta, I think they showed a very similar level of drive uh, if you compare them to uh, to Elche, with the difference that they were playing against a side which were already on a holiday. You know, uh, the only maybe the only reason for Barca to really play this game was for Ansu Fati to score his goal um, because he has tried to you know turn around a bit his season, which has been disappointing for both performance and injuries uh, with a couple of late goals in the in the year and also you know trying to secure the you know the Zamora trophy for Marc Andre Ter Stegen as you said I don't think it was a fluke you know I think that uh, Gabri Vega definitely was trying to do something like that when he scored the second goal but yeah Gabri Vega um, who has been overall not that consistent this season because they're it got to a point around Christmas, January, when all of the buzz surrounding him, you know, he had become the next big thing, many, many teams behind him, um, all of the fuss surrounding his contract extension, if he's leaving, whatever. I think that he got distracted and his performance in the last 10 games hasn't really been up to par. And tonight against Barca, you know, maybe in the best scenario, scenery, uh, possibly scenery, um, I don't know, uh, with the best kind of opposition in front of him, with all of the lights pointing at him, he showed his quality and the future that he embodies. So I think that it's very tightly uh, related to his performance. He This is the kind of player when, whenever playing against Barca, Atletico, Real Madrid really shines and 
that kind of hair to uh, Iago Aspas. You could see him late in the game watching the you know the mobile phone with all of the different scores happening at the f at the same time, suffering for his side. Overall, Celta uh, have been pretty lacking in the last 10-15 games, but ultimately they had a very tough uh, bone to really chew on, which was beating the champions, and they did so. So, fair game for them, and, you know, deserved uh, remaining in La Liga because they got the job. Yeah, it was a v very emotional day at Balaidos, and uh, you mentioned Gabri Vega and all those rumours. It looks as if he's perhaps going to be off in the summer. I mean, given the way that he reacted and given the way that he was uh, in tears at the end of the game. I mean, he was in tears basically all game. He, he was in tears after his first goal, he was in tears after his second goal, after he came off and then again at the end of the game. So a lot of tears for Gabri Vega, who, who was very happy, tears of happiness at the very least, but uh, but yeah, Balaidos Celta, congratulations to them for staying up, ultimately, even if it's been a bit of a struggle. Um, and Gadi, job done again, Sergio Gonzalez, I mean, we say it, the last two years, that three years even, that Gadi have been in the division, kind of, yeah, this is one of the three, four bottom squads, or, or squads containing the least quality in La Liga, but they continue to get the job done and play above their abilities. Coming on to the kind of the final game in the relegation race, which is obviously Betis against Valencia, one-one draw. I'm sure Paco, you were uh, feeling pretty uh, pretty scared after one minute when Ayote Perez went through, scored a goal after one minute, and then Diego Lopez came equalised again in the second half. And again, it's Paterna. Again, it's the youngsters that are doing it for Valencia. Yunus Musa got sent off late on, but ultimately it didn't matter. And uh, Jose Gaia, end of the game, came out and said, yeah, look, I mean, we're glad for survival. We're, we're happy to, to stay up, but it's also been an absolutely dreadful season, so we can't be too happy about this. And I imagine that probably sums up some of your thoughts, Paco. Yeah, you know, many issues to, to reflect about. Uh, I can't understand what was Yunus Musa thinking. Uh, you know, the challenge was awful and unnecessary I, I I can't you know I, I was I was uh, absolutely uh, astonished by by his tackle late in the game no need to do that and the red card was a fair red card he was sent off and it shows more or less his performance in the last stretch of the season you know for a number of games in the last 10 12 games um, Ruben Baraja hasn't really played him a lot he was one of the subs during the second halves and that happened for a reason. And tonight we did see why Baraja decided to trust uh, Javi Guerra, which is a newcomer, rather than Yunus Musa, which is an international player for his country. Leaving that aside, obviously the first goal being allowed in the 55th second was dreadful for Valencia. Once again, they have showed so many signs this season of weakness in in many ways, and you know, uh, allowing. Uh, Betis to easily score in the first minute was just another example of that. Um, but yeah, you know, the chances of Valencia uh, going down were so, so small that uh, all of the party mode which was set upon the the ground ultimately played against Betis because Betis weren't really playing for anything. They were just trying to uh, deliver the best tribute possible to Joaquin 
who played 57 minutes, I believe, and he was pretty emotional emotional before the game, during the game, and after the game. So I think that the whole tribute was uh, very touching on the on the overall context. Um, and actually, Joaquin, um, after the game, during the press conference, he offered, he said that he was happy for being able to cap his uh, to cap off his his tribute day with Valencia saving themselves from the drop. So overall, it was the perfect night for him. Um, uh, Diego Lopez scored once again three goals for the newcomer, which is one of the youth academy players, which Ruben Baraja just pulled like a rabbit out of the magician's hat. Um, Javi Guerra, Diego Lopez, Alberto Marí, those three players have delivered a lot of the goods for Valencia in the latest uh, couple of games and actually Diego Lopez with his goals has been crucial for them to avoid the drop because he scored against Real Madrid, he scored tonight and all of his goals meant points for the team which is, uh, as I said, absolutely vital for, for Valencia. So overall the season, as Jose Luis Gaya stated, has been an absolute disaster for, for Valencia. I would say it's been another failure from top to bottom and uh, that Valencia tonight were only playing for the right to call this season a failure or the right to call this season a disaster and that was you know the, the narrow difference between both of them so fortunately for the fans and for the club and for the history which is behind Valencia 104 years this season is only a disappointment and not a disaster thanks to fortunately for them only three teams being worse four teams being worse than Valencia overall in the past. yes uh, plenty of food for for, for Los Che and uh, plenty to mull over over the summer chew over is perhaps a, a better verb for that and um, uh, yeah at the very least people Baraja and uh, and, and Carlos Machena did get the job done touching tribute for Joaquin I should say as well 622 games and Anisou Bicereta's record appearances equaled there by Joaquin and it takes takes Joaquin into the history books for, for all the records he hadn't already written but we'll take a quick break and then we're going to come on to Osasuna and the European race Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to part two of the La Liga Loren podcast, the match day 38 recap. Shuri Barlow joined by Paco Pollitt. You've just heard from Osasuna's official account the sound of the fans and the players celebrating their return to Europe after 16 years. It was a 2 1 win over Girona that got them over the line. An Ante Budimir double in quick succession. Rainier Jesus pulled one back after a good header and. Yeah, it's a great season for both, it has to be said, but ultimately for Osasuna, this is massive and just reward for just how well they've been doing in recent seasons. Yes, I think it's a perfect uh, gift for Osasuna fans and that they uh, utterly deserve this kind of, you know, uh, ending for the for the season. I think it was the, the fairy tale in, in the Copa del Rey. Unfortunately for them, they w- were unable to beat Real Madrid's might in the final, but them squeezing into that seventh place, which uh, gives them the the right to play next season. The I believe they have a playoff round in the Conference League before entering the competition. But yeah, I think it was uh, the perfect way to finish a, a very bright uh, season overall for for Osasuna for their fan base. Um, I want to point out. The job done by uh, Jago Barrasate at the helm uh, in the sidelines and also the sports direction in Osasuna, Braulio Vázquez. I think that he has shown that he might well be the best sports director in Spain whenever signing players for peanuts. You know, it's not the same. We're talking about being the sports director for a juggernaut of a team. It's easy whenever you have money. You know, because it's easy to find to find players in the market and sign them. But when you don't have that kind of financial muscle and that kind of support, uh, you have to be very smart, very quick, very agile in the market in order to sign players for a low fee and also be able to, you know, pick the perfect moment to sell them whenever they really, you know, have their their big uh, breakout season. So overall, I think that Osasuna has been run very, very smoothly in the last five, six seasons uh, with the board, with Braulio in the sports direction, with Jagoba in the last 
a few years and uh, and overall they might be my equipo revelación this season especially if you check out the the rest of the standings ultimately you know uh, Barça Real Madrid Atletico Real Sociedad over in the Champions League Villarreal Betis in in Euro Europa League all of them were European contenders and I would also add maybe Athletic Club but Osasuna just came out of the blue and from the beginning of the season um, they showed that they really wanted they had that desire to uh, achieve greatness this year and I'm happy for them because they managed to do so yeah it's interesting you mentioned that on Braulio I, I did an interview with him earlier in the season and he said exactly that he said that basically between kind of well in July we're not doing anything because either we're picking up players right at the start of the transfer window we're trying to get to them early before other people get there or we're picking up players right at the end of the transfer window if it's an opportunity for us so uh so yeah you're on the money there with Braulio at least in terms of what he's saying but I, I wholeheartedly kind of back up and agree with what you were saying there and Budimir I think is the record signing it's 8 million but outside of that Juan Cruz a couple of million Moy Gomez 1.8 million he's been absolutely fantastic for them this season and they've more or less invested very little. I mean, look at the stars of this season as well. Es Abde on loan, Aymar Oroth, who's come through and has looked very, very good, especially in these closing weeks. And then that back line, David Garcia, Unai Garcia, Aridane, not a lot of money spent there. So, yeah, just reward, as we we're saying, 10th, 11th, 10th, and 7th is now Diego Barrasate's record in La Liga since he got them promoted as division winners in Segunda. So, so yeah, huge for Osasuna. The scenes at El Sarar. Um, just a very quick look ahead. How do you think they'll do kind of next season in Europe with, with both fronts to come? I think that um, they have high chances of, uh, you know, being able to to uh, move on to the, to the group stage. I think that they are, maybe because of the gravitas surrounding La Liga I think that they are going to be the favorites in the in the first round and uh, in the group stage anything can happen but ultimately I think that their performance in 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 La Liga will not be as outstanding as this season because these kind of uh, sides always suffer whenever they face a three competition uh, season they have the Conference League also Copa del Rey also La Liga where they will find themselves playing every three, four days, and that takes a toll on usually very short squads, 20, 18 players, uh, a number of youth academy players trying to help, but I think that they won't perform as well as, as this year in La Liga. They won't do the same also in Copa del Rey. I don't see them you know, moving on once again to the final rounds, but they are going to have a, an amazing season in Europe enjoying the the delight which is playing uh, European competition. So uh, I think it's going to be challenging for them, but they are going to be very, very happy to tackle the challenge. Yes, enjoying the fruits of, of their labour, you might say. Um, Zoroniak and Felicidades to Osasuna and all of Los Rojillo. Um, Girona, of course, kind of went down in this game and ended up finishing... 10th but very respectable finish for for a team that just came up especially a team that came up for the playoffs Michel Sanchez has been renewed until 2026 and um, so hats off to them as well a team that played brilliant football and um, 
Moving on to Athletic Club, who finished 8th. They were on 51 points, Osasuna on 53, Mallorca on 50, Girona on 49, and Rayo 49, and Sevilla 49 as well in 12th. Um, but Athletic Club, 1-1 away from home at the Bernabeu. They were on course for their first win since 2005 um, against Real Madrid away from home. They'd missed a penalty from Mikel Vesca, a good save by Courtois, and then they'd gone 1-0 up through Sunset. Then Iñaki Williams misses a massive, major, simple chance, simple one-on-one, to be perfectly honest. And then they concede a penalty shortly after, which Karim Benzema scores. They were lucky enough not to concede a second very late on to Rodrigo, who put one over the bar. But this athletic club should really be in Europe this season if they had a striker. This was just a summary of their season, wasn't it, Paco? Yeah, it's a perfect, you know, encapsulation of of all of their, um, you know, strengths and also weaknesses. As you said, uh, Iñaki Williams, Nico Williams. um, You see, I would say that they have missed, even though it's, you know, playing on my advantage, uh, Asir Villalibre, you know, who has been scoring goals, by the way, in Segunda División. You know, I, I think that they have had this kind of, problem for quite a few seasons already but again Iñaki Williams delivers much more than scoring you know Iñaki Williams has always suffered that uh, lack of uh, accuracy uh, for most of his career Nico Williams tends to have lesser of a problem scoring but overall uh, it's one of their weakest points and I think that definitely Athletic Club should try to sign a striker for the following the following season but yeah, they, they found themselves in, in advantage in, in El Bernabeu and uh, later, you know, during the second half, Real Madrid just did their thing. Um, they got a penalty uh, in their favor. Benzema scored and quickly got subbed because they weren't going to risk an injury from the Frenchman. And I think that overall the, the atmosphere in El Bernabeu was, you know, of delivering the, the best farewell to Benzema himself, to Marco Asensio which seems to be on his way to the Premier League, also to Eden Hazard, and uh, who knows, maybe a couple of more players, I, uh, Mariano maybe, you know, uh, at least we're talking about four or five players which are leaving, three four of them have been massive for, for the team in, in the last few seasons, so overall um, they really wanted to deliver a tribute to them and Actually, the, the, the end result and the scoreline wasn't really that important. Yes, how, how crass of you to put Mariano as an afterthought. Uh, they did announce his departure as well. Um, Eden Hazard gone on Saturday night and Asensio too on Saturday morning. And then on Sunday morning, Benzema's departure was announced after a week of rumours which saw him kind of yeah linked with a move to Saudi Arabia. And it does appear that he will be off there. Ultimately, just a quick word. I'm sure you'll go over this more in the kind of review show that we'll do of La Liga in on Thursday, I believe it is. But Benzema, his impact on Real Madrid, his impact on La Liga. A, a quick thought just before kind of we move into the rest of the week. Benzema was able to uh, disarm most of his naysayers and haters with tough work, hard work consistency and constant improvement I think that he has shown that even when you are playing at elite level you can always learn new things and the Benzema which arrived as a young prospect to Real Madrid 
um, 14 years ago and the Benzema who is leaving are two radically different players. You know, Benzema got here back in the day as a goleador, as a striker, a pure number nine, a player who was in charge of just finishing what the other players were able to build up. And he slowly evolved to become not only a number nine, but much more than that. Benzema was himself a blend of the perfect number nine, the perfect number 10, the perfect number 11, the perfect number seven. He was able to play in the wing. He was able to play on the build-up. He was able to assist, to score, to press. He did everything. And, and not many players are able to slot in that easily in a team with the pressure which Real Madrid has, the expectation which Real Madrid had, and also the levels of consistency that you really need throughout the season for being a starter in Real Madrid. So I think that his shoes are going to be very, very tough to feel properly. Feeling them is one thing. Feeling them properly is another thing. And whereas for Benzema himself, I think he has earned the, you know, the privilege of uh, deciding where he wants to end his career, I believe there's a personal reason behind all of this, regardless of the money and the financial stuff. But I think he wants to f end his football years in a much more relaxed way, one that he was definitely go not going to have in Real Madrid, which mean means that you always have the spotlight uh, over you and that you have to be like 100% of your capabilities every single day. So. Fair, fair game to Benzema. I think he's a great player. I think I wasn't really a fan back in the day, but he slowly evolved into one of my favorites, and I think that he's going to be sorely missed by Real fans and by Real Madrid themselves. Yeah, responsible for some some beautiful goals, some beautiful moments, some brilliant assists, and some fantastic moments over the course of his Real Madrid career. Um, well, round up kind of the rest of the games now. I mean, there wasn't too much to report in terms of actual. Uh, meaning in terms of the table, but there were some entertaining games. Atleti 2-2 with Villarreal. Nico Jackson got his ninth goal in eight games. Pascual, the youngster, equalised late on after a Witzel red card. Yep. Correa double, two more Griezmann assists. I think that's 31 goal contributions for Griezmann this season, which is more than anyone else in La Liga, taking him above Lewandowski. Highly impressive. Remember that at the beginning of the season, if I recall correctly, he was only playing the second halves. You know, that last minutes of the games. So it's even more impressive that he, uh, Griezmann, was able to contribute to his team in 31 goals uh, between the ones he scored and he assisted, especially at, as he was handicapped at the first half of the season. You know? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it is kind of incredible to turn around, not only kind of in his season, but, but the effect that, and the impact that he's had on this La Liga, despite, as you say, only playing kind of the second half, the second 30 minutes in some cases of games. Mallorca beat Rayo 3-0. Marici got on the score sheet, Angel got late one and Copete scored as well. This was Iraola's final game as Rayo manager. He's announced that he's he's leaving the club, but um, yeah, no, no kind of happy ending for him, but Javier Aguirre, Huge props to him who took over the Mallorca side that were really struggling at the end of last season and now cruised to safety. It was never, ever in doubt. My second favourite equipo revelación have been Mallorca because of that combo between Murici and Kanjin Lee. Uh, I think that Murici has high hopes of staying in, in Mallorca, whereas for I think Kanjin Lee is bound for you know a move 
eventually this summer maybe the Premier League maybe I don't know other leagues but I think he's set for for greatness unfortunately for Valencia who were the ones fostering his talent for 10 years he left for free two years ago and Mallorca are now going to reap the benefits if they get a stone in many Valencia fans shoes that will take some time to remove I imagine Uh, but yeah Murici El Feo um, as Javier Aguirre would describe him, the the ugly one, he's he looks set to stay. The two of them seem to have quite a good relationship and are probably one of the two of the most entertaining duos uh, that that I'm aware of in La Liga. And finally, La Real, 2-1 win at home to Sevilla to, to round off the season and their Champions League qualification. Bryce Mendes back on the score sheet. Mohamed Ali Cho got the second. Eric Lamella pulled one back for Sevilla. Sevilla side that were very much on holiday um, after their <laughs> their win in yeah. Europa League, they got the job done days earlier, and this game was just an afterthought for Sevilla. But I think that the most interesting item of this game is the fact that it seems because I don't really uh, you know live and breathe the daily uh, news items surrounding Sevilla. It seems that the offer, the extension of contract for a Mendilibar, isn't really the best or the most ambitious one for the manager, which turn around Sevilla's fate, not only in La Liga, but also in European competitions. Remember that Mendilibar has given, awarded, granted Sevilla many, many millions of euros with that Europa League win and the consequent uh, ticket for the Champions League next season, also as one of the the top seeds. And it seems that the extension of contract offer received by Mendilibar isn't really up to his standards. Hopefully for him and for Sevilla, the board will improve the offer in in upcoming days, but um, at this point, it's not really 100% secure that he will uh, continue at the helm, which would be a pity, especially after how much he has shown and, and really... Uh, delivered the goods in in the line. Yeah, just a, a couple more details on that game. Go and check out uh, Bryce's first goal, where you watch Jesus Navas collapse on the floor and look like he is still drunk from the celebrations. Um, and Iaramendi has left La Real um, for the second time. I think it's an extra nine years of uh, his last nine years of his career since returning to from Real Madrid that he spent at La Real. So uh, yeah, congratulations to him. Hope he finds a good home next. But uh, but yeah, as you say, Mendilibar echo those thoughts. Perhaps Sevilla had other plans and Mendilibar has done so well that they have to offer him a new deal. Whether they offer him an acceptable deal, as you say, probably worth about 70-80 million to Sofia, that Champions League place, and yeah, without that money, they certainly would be looking at significant, significant sales again this summer, I think, so so yeah, it, it is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I've got two final questions for you, Paco, I'll let you go to sleep after that. Um, <laughs> the first one, uh, Europe uh, Conference League, Osasuna, where is the seventh best team in La Liga this season? Yes, definitely yes. I think that they are worthy of the seventh place. First up, because they achieved it um, and they got the points needed for that. And also because they have shown the consistency that they lacked in other seasons. Because it's not the first time uh, in the last three, four years that Osasuna show, especially during the first half of the year, that they can fight for those European spots. But it's the first time actually that they were able to sustain that level of quality during the second half of the league, and and that's where really all of the you know ultimate prizes are 
are achieved. So so yeah, I definitely think that they really And finally via delete, were they the third worst team in La Liga? Maybe not because um this year has been very level in many ways in the relegation race. I think that all of the teams have suffered very bad streaks of results. All of them, Valencia, Celta, obviously, Valladolid themselves, um, Getafe before Bordalas came in, when Quique Sanchez Flores was uh, at the helm. I think that he's a great manager, but something wasn't really clicking. Also, Almeria, as you said, on the road, they have been <laughs> rubbish, okay? And I would say that Cadiz have been the only, more or less, the only ones who really showed their colors since the beginning of the year, and they have shown that they had a plan and they were going to stick to it. You know, they were trying always to, um, whenever they picked up the three points, it always was with one nil win. One nil win, uh, two one win, plenty of draws, trying to keep things tight, and they stick to their plan because actually Cali don't really have yeah absolutely um so Laros de Sergio you can definitely make that argument that they perhaps are are lacking a little bit in that department I think I'm just looking here Teo Bongonda has four goals Ruben Sobrino has three Chris Ramos has one Sergi Guardiola has three um and Gonzalo Escalante has four. So really not a lot of attacking power in that side. Lucas Perez has three. Rory, they scored 30 goals this season <laughs> in 38 games. That's that's the bottom line for Cadiz, you know. They have the third worst plus-minus ratio in, in the competition. Elche has minus 37, Valladolid minus 30, Cadiz minus 23. But they made the most of it. 42 points saved, two points over the drop, and they will play one more season in La Liga. So the crucial item here is whenever you lose the game, well, that's tough luck, but whenever you win it, it really depends on one nil. That's enough. And that's the, I would say, the Bordalas way to way, way of life, you know, and I think that also Jose Bordalas did exactly the same. I, I can't remember the moment when, when he was brought in. I believe it was against... Um, it was a Espanol, Espanol first, but he only had about say, but, uh, 36 hours in charge before Espanol. that. <laughs> yeah, they, they lost on the road. They beat 1-0 Celta at home. They lost 1-0 against Real Madrid. They drew against Elche, which was a very, you know, unfortunate mishap. They beat Betis 1-0. They beat Osasuna 2-1, and they picked up a draw uh, against Valladolid. So overall, we're talking about one defeat against Real Madrid, which is more or less expected, and one defeat when uh, Bordalas was only, you know, a day and a half at the helm. That is champagne football. And on that note, we shall end. Thank you very much to Paco for his company. And this is possibly the longest spot of, of the season, <laughs> which was fitting. <laughs> we said we were yeah, going to be shorter. Yeah, which is fitting because many, many things happen. I think that, unfortunately for La Liga, plenty of external issues have plagued the competition, all of the Negreira affair, all of the Vinicius controversy a couple of weeks ago, uh, referees being awful through and through, um, teams complaining. But if you see it just into the purest uh, football-wise, obviously, 
purest form of entertainment, I think this season has been very, very entertaining. Maybe the outcome hasn't been, you know, hasn't delivered satisfaction to everyone, but I think it's been very, very fun. Quite, a, uh, you know, quite over what many expect, uh, who, which many expected from from the from the league this this season. And overall, I think that everyone got what they deserved. Barca being champions, Real Madrid second, Atletico, Real Sociedad into into Champions League, all of the European sides, and finally the the three uh, teams um, dropping into Segunda, and all of the rest of them, five or six of them, which got um saved from from danger everyone um have more or less finished in the in the place where they deserved yes we we shall uh, be back again next week as i say we've got written content on our substack lll online at substack.com at la liga loren on twitter you probably know that by now if you've been you following should us know. all season <laughs> You should know. You should definitely know. Uh, but yeah, farewell from us. Farewell to Joaquin, to Yaramendi, depending on where he goes, Benzema, Asensio, Eden Hazard, and of course, nobody could forget Mariano Diaz. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tools. Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.